If you would, please take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 8. We're going to be looking at several verses of Scripture, verse 29 through 39 of Acts, chapter number 8. And what a joy it is. Boy, Sue, thank you for singing for us this morning. That blessed our heart. Who's going to be next week? Somebody out there, Tony's after you now. You better get your name on the list and then be ready, ready to go because that was really, really good. Acts chapter number 8, beginning in verse 29. Would you stand with me, please, with your Bible in hand for the reading of God's holy word? What a powerful passage of Scripture we see here today. Beginning in verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and take, overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken up from the earth. By the way, that's Isaiah chapter 53. So the eunuch had a copy of a scroll of Isaiah and was reading about Jesus who had come and had given his life on the cross. The eunuch had evidently been in Jerusalem. He had seen and heard the story of Jesus. He had witnessed baptism. And he's on his way back to his country when he has this encounter. Now let's continue verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture preached Jesus to him. Now when they went down the road, they came near some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. God, may you bless the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts through it, Father, and help us understand baptism and salvation today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you and be seated, please. <clears throat> I want to take this passage of Scripture and I want to develop out of this passage of Scripture this theme, profound questions with simple answers. 
If you and I read through the Scripture, we'll find many places in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where there are many profound questions that are asked by different people. This is a very profound question that Philip asked, or the eunuch rather, asked, the, asked Philip, but a very simple answer. Notice the question there in verse 36. See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now you say, that doesn't sound like a really a profound question to me, preacher. But it is. You just stay with me. We're going to answer that question as we work through this passage of Scripture this morning. I want to ask you a question though. How many of you remember some of those questions that your children used to ask you when they were little? Maybe some still ask today. I would say if we took a poll, we're going to, by the way, we would almost get 100% on both of these questions. Do you remember the question that your children would ask you when you got in the car and you started down the road? It didn't matter if you were going 10 minutes to a neighbor's house or if you were on a 10-hour or an 8-hour journey, when you got started down the road, after just a little bit, they would always break the silence with what question? Yes. Are we there yet? <laughs> oh, yes. That's what they would do. And you would answer that question. But then as they got a little bit older and they grew up somewhat, at a still an early age, pre-teen or maybe teenage years, when you begin to sort of instruct them on what the rules were, what time they had to be in on a particular night, or why they couldn't go out on a date with that particular person, or whatever it may have been, and you explained those things to them, or you, you made those rules and statements, then there was one simple question that they would come back and ask you. Do you know what it is? Why? why? Exactly. Why? Those two questions, are we there yet and why? Now those weren't really profound questions, I don't suppose, as this one, but they were questions. Notice in this passage of Scripture, as this Ethiopian eunuch is in this encounter with Philip, he brings up this question of baptism. And he says, look, here we are. We're out on the Gaza Strip. We're out on this road. I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. Here's water. Why can't I be baptized? I've seen it going on in Jerusalem when I was there searching for God. Now, I think it's my chance and my turn. To help us understand this, we go back to the first of this chapter. The church in Jerusalem in the first few verses of chapter 8 is being scattered because of persecution. The Christians are leaving and they're going in all directions and many of them go down toward Samaria. Well, that's where Philip goes. Philip goes down to Samaria and there in Samaria begins to preach. Great crowds are coming. Many people are responding. Many people are being saved. God's doing miraculous things through Philip there in Samaria. But everything comes to an abrupt halt all of a sudden. Because God puts it on His heart, I want you to go back toward Jerusalem. 
In fact, there's a certain path, a road, a direction I want you to go in. I want you to go back to Jerusalem by way of Gaza. And when you get down there, I've got something for you to do. It's amazing when we listen to God and obey Him, isn't it? Great things happen when God leads us and we follow in obedience to Him. Well, that's what happens with Philip. He goes down there and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord points out to him and said, Do you see that chariot coming? I want you to go and I want you to interrupt that chariot coming down the road and I've got a message that I want you to share with that man on that chariot. Philip goes over there and all of a sudden the chariot stops and the man in that chariot, the Ethiopian eunuch, a prestigious man in his country, begins to have an exchange with Philip and begins to say they have a conversation and he says, uh, would you come up in this chariot? I, I want to ask you some questions. And he gets in that chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch and all of a sudden the Ethiopian eunuch is conversing with Philip. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading there in that story? And he says, I have no clue. I don't know anything about this book. I, I just got it. I don't know if this prophet is talking about himself or if he's talking about some other man. And as I said earlier, he was reading out of Isaiah 53 that powerful passage about Jesus and His crucifixion on the cross. And the Bible says that Philip explained to this Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus Christ and gave him an explanation. And we know from the story that then the Ethiopian eunuch was saved and gave his heart and life to Jesus and was saved gloriously that moment. We know that from this passage. And then that, that profound question, well, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Well, he was baptized, wasn't he? Yeah. But I want to take just a moment, <clears throat> and I want to go through this question. There, there are three possible scenarios that happen in this question. What is it that hinders a person from being baptized? You might be sitting there today, and you might be saying, Preacher, what about me? Can I be baptized? Well, I would say, well, is there anything hindering you from being baptized? And there are some hindrances. The first one is this. In order to be baptized, there must be water. And so if there is no water, you can't be baptized. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm not being uh, frivolous here. I I'm not just playing a game with you talking like this. It takes water to be baptized and it takes a lot of water to be baptized. You can ask Jaden and Kelsey sitting right there. We had that baptistry full Wednesday night. And when we got in it, it was this deep. It took a lot of water. And the reason why is because sprinkling water on top of my head is not baptism. Putting a little bit of water in your face is not baptism. 
When I had little John Luke down here today, I didn't have a little bottle of water and dousing some of it on him and calling it baptism. Because friend, that is not New Testament baptism. When you study baptism in the New Testament, it is one thing and one thing only. It is immersion. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Baptism is symbolic. It is a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So it takes water. And it takes a lot of water to be baptized. I can remember in the church where Diane and I, right after we got married and moved to Jefferson City, Tennessee, and were pastor of Nancy's Grove Baptist Church, way out in the country. If you know anything about that country, drive to Newmarket, turn left, go about a block, go under the underpass, turn left, and go down to the end of that road, and you'll find that that road ends at the river and there's no bridge there was a ferry that would take you across to the other side and we would go down to that river and baptize because the church where I pastored was just a few miles back up this side of the river We'd go down to that river and we would grab each other's hands and we would walk out in that river to get out there to where the water was deep enough to baptize. And there we would go and baptize. One particular day in the afternoon we went to baptize and a car had just been taken across by the ferry. And it was trying to pull up and go out the other side up a hill. And we had all waded out in the water and we were getting ready to baptize. And all of a sudden, that car started spinning its wheels and spinning its tires trying to get up the hill and, and couldn't go anywhere. We just had to stop. So we're not going to compete with that. When that car gets on up the hill, then we'll resume and we'll baptize. And we did. We didn't have a baptistry in our church. When it was winter time and we couldn't go to the river, we'd go to Newmarket First Baptist Church. And it was the only place that I'd ever baptized in this kind of a situation. Where the pulpit stood and where the preacher stood, when you stepped back and got off of it, it was a trap door. I always was afraid for that old preacher there standing. And you raised that trap door, and it was a big old door. You raised that door up, and sucking down in the floor was a baptistry. How many of you have ever seen one like that? Few folks have, okay. You're way back in the country, man. That's where you grew up. And that you would pull that baptistry lid up and put that thing and fill it up with water then when you get down there to baptize in that baptistry you're looking out at everybody's feet out there because it's so far sunken down in the floor and there we would baptize in the winter we'd go to the church in the summer down to the river and we'd baptize why did we go to all of that trouble and Finn, that, 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 that was a lot of trouble. Our whole church had to migrate everywhere we were going to baptize. Fish down the river, let's all go down the river. 
to resort to church, let's all get in our cars. Let's go over to the church. We're going to go over there. Why did we do such a thing like that? Because New Testament baptism is by immersion. You're picturing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that, there would be no purpose in baptism. And so that's why it took a lot of water to baptize. So friend, no water, no baptism. New Testament style. But there was a second thing that I want you to notice about baptism. There can be no baptism if there's no one to baptize you. Now that's what's so interesting about this story, isn't it? That the angel sent Philip down to meet this chariot because God knew on that road, riding in that chariot, there was going to be water. And there was going to be a lot of water. And so this new believer can be baptized. And God knew that the chariot driver was qualified to baptize the Ethiopian eunuch. He had to get one of his preachers down there. And he got Philip down there. And all of a sudden, God is putting all of this thing together. There's water and also there is someone to baptize this man, this eunuch in that water. You see, Philip was there. And he could baptize this man. You remember Jesus and John the Baptist? Jesus needed to be baptized. But he had to have somebody to baptize him. That somebody was John. John didn't want to do it. But Jesus said, you've got to do it. He said, okay, I'm going to do it. So there has to be someone to baptize you. I remember pastoring many years ago, well, not that many years ago. It's been before I came here. The largest person that I ever baptized. His name was Big Fred. And Big Fred was big. I've never met anybody over here in our area as big as Big Fred. I mean, Big Fred was big. Big Fred wouldn't come to church. But his wife and little Fred came to church. And little Fred was little. And one day, one of the laymen in our church went out to the house to talk to Big Fred. And lo and behold, he won Big Fred to the Lord. And Big Fred was gloriously saved, just like this Ethiopian eunuch. On Sunday morning, we're singing, and I'm standing down front giving the invitation, and lo Oh, here comes Big Fred down the aisle. And he says, Joel, a week or two later, me and Big Fred on a Sunday morning with everybody there got down in that water. And I said, I'm going to baptize Big Fred. No, I didn't say that. I said what I always do, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And when I took Big Fred down, Big Fred didn't let go of me. And I went down on top of Big Fred. <laughs> and I got rebaptized when I baptized Big Fred. But that's okay. We climbed up, got up, and got out of that water. I got dried off enough to go out and preach. 
and, and get the preaching done that day. But what a joy. Why? Why would anybody do things like that? I'll tell you why. Because that's what the New Testament says. That's what Jesus says to do. Jesus Christ was baptized, giving the example for you and I. He was not a sinner. Jesus didn't get saved. He is the Savior. But He set the example by His baptism because He knew when people would trust in Him and be saved, He likewise wanted them to identify with Him in being baptized. And so that's why we baptize by immersion. Well, there's one other thing in this story. Now notice closely for a moment. What hinders people from being baptized? No water. No one to baptize them. But there was water and there was Philip. And so the Ethian eunuch was able to be baptized. But there's one other thing that keeps people from being baptized and it's simply no belief. Now watch that closely. A profound question. What hinders a person from being baptized? No water. No one to baptize them. Number three, no belief. You see, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't trust Jesus as your Savior, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that is, you don't believe in Him, then there's no baptism for you. There would be no point in you being baptized. Because baptism is all about your relationship with Christ. It's all about that Jesus has saved you. That Jesus has come into your heart. That He has forgiven your sin. And the Ethiopian eunuch had had that experience. He said, I've given my life to Jesus. I've trusted Christ. I know that He's my Lord and Savior. Here's water. I want to be baptized, Philip. And the Bible says they get out of that chariot. They go down into the water. And Philip baptizes him right there on the spot. Because Jesus had saved him. I want you to look at one verse of Scripture and then we're going to close in a moment. The book of Romans chapter number 10. A very, very powerful word in this chapter. If you'll turn over there in your Bible, I want to read it real quickly to you. With you rather. But I want you to notice chapter 10 of Acts. Romans, chapter 10 of Romans, verse number 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, now, now watch this next statement. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now notice the emphasis there on the heart. Last week I preached a sermon on changed heart. How that God will change a heart. That's what needs to happen in our country. That's, not, that's what needs to happen with people all over the world. We need a heart change. We need a heart that's changed by the power of God and our life be changed that way. Notice this. If you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Notice verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Now notice that closely. He did not say, with the mind one believes unto righteousness. He said, with the heart one believes 
unto righteousness. You see, I can think about Jesus all the time. I can think about it. I can know that Jesus is historically a figure. I can know that Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. I can know all of the facts in my mind. But my friend, that does not save me because I know the facts. What saves me is when I give my heart to Jesus. When I say to the Lord Jesus, save me, cleanse me of my sin, wash my sins away, not by waters of baptism, but by your blood. Wash my sins away. I give my heart to you. I trust you as my Savior. When God changes my heart because I surrender my heart to Him, then and then only I can be baptized and it be real. Anything other than that happens before that, it's not real. But after Jesus has come into my heart, the Bible says that with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the heart. And so when Jesus changes my heart and I give my heart and life to Him, then I can follow Jesus in baptism. Before then, it, it's just you go on, you go in a wet center, you come out a wet center. You go it, it's a waste of time. It means nothing. But once Jesus saves us and changes our heart, baptism means everything. Years ago, on one of the mission trips that we took to East Africa, I remember meeting a one of our missionaries from our country who was over there working with those people that were the Africans and sharing the gospel and winning others to Christ. And I remember particularly this young man, boy, he just grabbed my attention. He was on fire for the Lord. He was probably in his late 20s, early 30s. Wife and two small children, he was just on fire for the Lord. And the more I got to know him and the more I heard his story... He was working out of Dar es Salaam and he would go out and win Africans to the Lord and they would place their faith in Jesus Christ and he would bring them all the way back across the city, all the way out to the ocean to baptize them. Now that's a, that's a lot, of, lot to do, isn't it? That was a pretty good journey for those folks to come with him, but he would go to the ocean He'd take them out of the ocean and he would baptize them one by one. Every time he won another man to the Lord, a woman, a boy, a girl to the Lord, he would take them. He would go all the way across, go out and find the ocean. And there he would baptize them. Why is that, friend? I'll tell you why that is. Because when you give your heart to Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, the thing that you want to do, you want to be a picture of His death, burial, and resurrection. You can't sprinkle water on anybody's head. You can't put dirt on anybody's head. You can't do anything to anybody to picture this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus other than what the New Testament says. Here's a lot of water. Let's get down in it and let's go underneath that water and let's come out of that water. And there's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's who we believe in. And that's why that young man did that. Well, the story began to change later on because what happened is those people, especially the young men, that he took 
to the ocean and baptized right after he had won them to faith in Christ. Those guys began to witness to other people. And when they witnessed to other people and other people got saved, then they said, hey, come with me, let's go. And they would bring them across the city and over to the ocean and there they would baptize those just like the missionary had baptized them. Now my friend, that is New Testament baptism. Philip was baptized and he went and won the eunuch and he baptized the eunuch. My friend, baptism is a beautiful picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I've surrendered everything and I'm holy and completely Christ. I thank the Lord that I was baptized two times. The first time I was baptized, I was a little boy. And the second time I was baptized, I was a preacher. Because my first baptism as a little boy, it just didn't really mean a lot to me. I, I really even couldn't remember a lot about it. But the second time I was baptized, God just had put that on my heart. I had to. I knew I just had to go get rebaptized. And my dad baptized me, and I forgot to take my wallet out of my pocket. But I think that was symbolic. Because not only did God get my, me and my heart, He got my wallet too. And He got everything I owned. And it was just sealed in that moment of baptism. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Baptism is a, is a way that God can seal in your life what He's doing and what He wants to do. When you surrender and you yield it over to Him. Would you bow with me this morning as we pray? In a moment we're going to sing our hymn of invitation. And as God speaks to your heart, would you come? We're here to pray with you if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord. We would pray with you about that today. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, but you have never submitted yourself to New Testament baptism, I would encourage you to do that. In fact, I can meet you here at the church during the week, and we can videotape it just like we've done this past week. It's a special moment. It's a time of worship. It's a time of praise when that happens between you and the Lord. Would you let God have His way? And if you've never trusted Christ, would you come this morning? If you want to join the church and be a part of our church family, you can come on down. I'll shake your hand. We'll pray together. We'll just ask God to do a great and supernatural work in your life. Would you come? Lord, have your way, Father, as you work powerfully in us and through us. May you change lives, God, as only you can. Help people, Father, not to be moved or persuaded by anything that I would say to them. But, oh God, help them to be persuaded by the Holy Spirit of God who speaks to their heart. Because, God, only you can change a life and do something that's eternal and real. And we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.